on sportsmanlike conduct. I have to be. I have to give credit to myself. I called it. Michigan State lost to Arizona State. We will talk about that. Michigan also blew out Western Michigan. We'll see what we think about both those teams and their current situations, and what happened to the Detroit Lions on Monday night. All that and more on sportsmanlike conduct next. Hello again, everyone, and welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andrew McDonald, and across from me again this week, I guess this is the new thing now, just across from me, Evan, Evan Petzold. Evan, how we doing? It was atrocious, man. Like <laughs> like Monday Night Football, atrocious. Your leading rusher is Theo Riddick with 20 yards after you just picked up a slew of running backs? Yeah, that that like set the tone for my sports <laughs> week. Don't even, don't even. Let's not even talk about you know the the Arizona State win. How how cool that was to see because I'm a huge fan of upsets and I stayed up late and watched that with my dad. And then you know Michigan earlier in the day, you know getting a huge win over Western Michigan. That's all great, but that's weekend stuff, man. Monday is Monday, <laughs> and that was rough. Yeah, it was pretty disgusting. Oh yeah. And to my right as usual, Elena House. Elena, how we doing? I'm doing okay. Um. I was a little disappointed today because I got an email saying that my Miami Vice Dwayne Wade jersey was supposed to be here today after months of waiting for it because apparently it got lost or something. So it was supposed to be here today. Now it's supposed to be here Friday. So I was waiting all day. That's Didn't r- get it. It's rough when stuff happens. You got a comment, Evan? <laughs> I, uh... I mean, it's it's lost the same way that oh D Wade's God. chances at getting another ring are just lost, like out the door. I'm going to flip the table. Lost. Yeah, well... Anyways, I'm doing all right. Uh, another another week of sports, but we will start with the Lions and Jets, and I think because that was obviously, I mean, out of any of these sports we're going to talk about today, I think that this was definitely the uh, most disappointing thing uh, for anybody around Michigan because, I mean, I know myself, yeah, I don't think they're going to have the best record, like I said earlier in the year, but I thought they were going to still be a better team. There's going to be a lot of, like, progress that can be made out of this season from Matt Patricia and stuff like this. You know, I look at their first five games in the schedule, and this was the one that I circled and said that they would have the easiest win, and they lost 48-17. to 17. So I think it goes without being said that this was just a, an absolute terrible game. They had, to take, they had to take the broadcast off the air um, at the end of the game just because of all the, all the stress syndromes and stuff like that they do on ESPN. Um, so they took it off and put the other game on before it even ended um, for, the, for the sake of Detroit fans. So, I mean, really, in general, it's just it's, it's completely terrible. Uh, Matt Stafford threw four interceptions, which I can firmly say for the rest of the year probably will not happen. I know he's had a couple of those games in his career, but it was pathetic. The running game, again, this is the one game where I said they're probably going to have a good running game, and, you know, they'll uh, they'll come back after this, and we'll have to see how they do against actual good teams and good defenses. They didn't do good. Their leading rusher was Theo Riddick with four carries for 20 yards. He wasn't even supposed to be the guy that was getting carries in this game. So it's all over the place right now. I'm really lost at anything positive to say because there is nothing to say positive out of this game, in my opinion. Don't know where you guys are at with this team right now, but, I mean, what do you take away from this week one blowout? I mean, even looking at their backup quarterback, Matt Castle, like when he came into the game, he threw a pick. You know, that's something that you might want to say, like, oh, you know, at least the backup play wasn't too bad. But, no, like it was awful as well. He was 2 of 6, 14 yards in a pick. Like, that's awful. Carry on Johnson. Hello, where are you? Biggest disappointment, but again. LeGarrette Blunt, where are you? Four carries, negative three yards. He got hurt, which is disappointing. Like, come on. <laughs> like, but, I, I, and I understand with injuries, like, it happens, but still, like. That's not it, though. They're lying, man. Like, I think where, yeah. I think it's more, yeah. again, their offensive line, and we hear all this stuff in the offseason about how it's going to be the most improved unit on the team. 
I saw in, in some quotations and everything, and it was going to be one of the, the go-tos this year. They put so much of their draft picks and everything else in that line. Yeah. And I saw their draft picks chasing back pick sixes more than actually making blocks. So You, wanna, you want like a, a positive takeaway? What's that? It's got to be Kenny Galladay. Oh, yeah, for sure. And seven receptions, 114 yards. yards. Yep. That's my guy right there. And the way that he was able to make some big plays, like nothing was working for this team, right? But he was able to go up and make the big catches and, and you know, try to move the Lions down the field to the best of his ability. Yeah. He didn't have much help. But it was still kind of cool to see him emerge a little bit. And I think that's something that we saw early last year was was just Galladay's success and stuff like that. And then, you know, with the injury that he had yeah. and just all that kind of stuff slowed him down. So it was good to see him jump out and say, "Hey, like, I'm still, I'm stuff. still a guy that can be that can be relevant on this team." I think that was probably, probably the most positive takeaway, but maybe the only takeaway as well. The only you know positive takeaway. Do you have anything else? Um, <laughs> no, really. I just thought it was terrible. I mean, I heard this a lot. Like the Jets, like knew everything that the Lions were gonna do, and I just, I don't get it. Like the first game of the year, how do you, how do you just lose that bad? Especially to them. How do you give up 31 in the third quarter to the New York Jets? Yeah, and I don't know how you have a play calling or a book like you said that that is that bland. Um, Jim Bob Cooter's got to go. That's that's the biggest thing right now. I think with Detroit Lions fans, it's like it, it's really this guy had a good end to a season um, a couple of years ago, and he, he looked like the new savior and whatever for the Lions. You know, when they were making the playoff push and everything, he's not that good. Um, his play calling is terrible, and it doesn't work. Obviously, with the people in the system that they have in their offense, hasn't worked for a while now. Um, and when you and when you look at it, it's not like Matt Stafford had any help. Marvin Jones is dropping balls all night. He definitely dropped a touchdown earlier in the game. It's that kind of stuff that you can't have when you know your quarterback is struggling and throwing picks. I'm not blaming on the receivers because he made plenty of bad decisions. But at the end of the day, you still got to make catches and help this guy out. And the line has to block. I mean, the yeah. line has to block. And he was running for his life all day. He took he was popped all game. I mean, he he was limping throughout multiple times in the game where he like had to get himself back up. You can't have that with a guy that's going to literally take you to anywhere they're going to go this year. If they don't have him, they will not be a good team. High school, college, NFL, doesn't matter what it is, coaches always preach you have to stop the run game first because the run game opens up the pass game, and that's exactly what the Jets did. Is you know They shut down the Detroit Lions run game by shutting down that offensive line, You know gave none of the running backs any breathing room at all, and in turn, the pass game was shut down because it, you know, it's one of those things where if you can run the ball well, that opens up. That gives Matthew Stafford so many opportunities to throw the ball. It, it just yeah. – it, it so many. Yeah. And that's why coaches always say, like, stop the run game first. That's first priority. And that's exactly what the Jets did. And now, Andy, I mean, while we're on the topic, and, and Elena as well, I mean, what did you guys think of Sam Darnold, you know, coming in and kind of making his presence felt a little bit, throwing for just under 200 yards, two touchdowns, only an interception – I mean, what what were really your evaluations of of his play? It, I mean, anytime that you can come back from throwing an interception to start a game and uh-huh. play even decently well. Now, don't get me wrong. When you see your defense putting up the kind of numbers that their defense put up, that definitely is helping you in the back of your head as a rookie. I mean, this guy was, I believe, the youngest to start um, a game as a rookie since 1970 is what yeah. I saw. So, it, it's. I mean, he has everybody kind of not believing in him probably. I mean, pre- facing a pretty good secondary um, the Lions, but I mean, to go 16 and 21, 198 yards, and have a couple of touchdowns with just the one interception on the first drive, they got taken back for a touchdown to be able to bounce back and play that well for the rest of the game, have a completion percentage like that, phenomenal. I yeah. mean, great. And then the Jets look like they really have a guy now. If I'm the Jets, you know, you still got to see a lot more. Again, the excuse is going to be for every team in the NFL that lost or any team that even played when you're trying to figure something out. 
it's just week one. I mean, you you can hear that for anything. You got to prove yourself over a longer period of time. But you have to like what you see to start. I mean, what you saw is what you saw, and it's what you have so far. So you have to go off of it. And Sam Darnold definitely looks like the guy that's going to be there for him all year. And Isaiah Crowell, the running back for the Jets, last year he had just one game over 100 yards rushing, and he opens it up, you know, going for 102 against the Lions. The big like, plays, though. I mean, the big plays killed Detroit. They gave up some big plays on defense. Yeah, but I'm just saying as far as, you know, for the Jets, it's good to see that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know his long his longest run was for 62 yards, and yeah. I know that accounts for a lot of the 102, but just to see a guy be able to break out like that and, and do that damage, like, you know you have a running option. You know you have, you know, a guy that can throw the football. You know, and, and that's for the first time in a while, I feel like the Jets have really had somebody that can throw the ball. And, yeah, it's week one, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely more positive than negative well, for yeah, them. Yeah, no, no, I mean, there's no in a, in a huge that. way. <laughs> yeah, no, they great. I just feel like the Lions always have so many excuses, too. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. It's annoying to keep hearing them. I know, like, everybody has injuries, too. So it's like not just that. Like, how do you, if you're Matt Stafford and you've been in the league this long, how do you let this happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he came out and blamed it on himself, took the loss on himself. Exactly. I've heard that story before, Matt Stafford. I don't want to hear it anymore. It's the same thing I've heard over and over again. It's the offensive line sucks. It's the same old Lions. It's the same. It's what you hear over and over again every year. I'm going to give Matt Patricia more than a week. I'm not going to just say the guy's a bad coach. The people that are freaking out on Twitter and saying that kind of stuff, that's just fans being upset. Lions fans are crazy. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what that's what you're going to see out of some people. But give the guy way more time than this. I mean, it was one game, obviously. They have plenty of the chance to prove themselves in the next four weeks when I think they will play opponents that are harder um, than the Jets. I mean, the one against the 49ers is probably going to be their best chance to get a win, and that's not even at home. So they're, they're going to have the chance to prove themselves and, like, come back and make a statement and say they're not, you know, not a bad team. So what's Jim Caldwell thinking right now? I'd he's be laughing. laughing. <laughs> yep. I, I mean, mimic each other right there. It's I'm Without question, he's laughing. Um, I mean, that was the winningest coach I think the Lions have had in a long time, and they got rid of him. And I understand he was mediocre. He wasn't really getting the job done, wasn't getting him to the next level. I still don't know if it was, like, the right time to let go of him. But like I said, it's it, Matt Patricia's had one game. I mean, he's had one game. I think he's going to get in these guys, try to be a lot better. He comes from a winning past in New England. Should be better than this. We don't know yet. It's obviously frustrating to deal with right now. But, I mean, the last question I have for you guys is, through the five weeks I keep talking about, do they come out of this with an 0-5 record or do they find a win in there? I mean, let's let's look through who they got. I mean, you have week one against the Jets and then on the road against the 49ers, at home against the Patriots, on the road against the Cowboys, and then at home against the Packers. So you keep listening to them. It sounds more daunting and daunting, doesn't it? I know. But I, I mean, I just wanted to make sure that I hit on, you know, hit on the specifics and stuff like that. No. Yeah, my answer is no. Not happening. Yeah, I don't see it. Listen, li- listening to all those names, I don't, I don't see it. But I mean, maybe the 49ers? That would be the like the. I think they'll find best a win. Bet. I think they're gonna there's, find yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's gonna be a close game. They'll probably win, but th- it'll also probably be a game that they shouldn't have won. And that yeah. you know, it was a late Matt Stafford. All these comeback. games will be close. I can get the way that Jimmy Garoppolo played in Week One. Eh, all, all the- I don't agree. They're gonna be close. They're gonna be a blowout. One of the two. I don't think you can say that all those games are gonna be yeah, close. But well, that's, I mean, what, like that's if, what I'm saying. If they though. were to win it, like yeah, it's going to be close. Well, yeah, so I yeah, they're not going to yeah. blow at any of those teams. Mm-mm. I mean, yeah, like I think they win one, maybe. But like, I'm I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Just not a bad prediction. Yeah, I'm really, just going to say I, no. I'm not very confident in saying it, but I definitely think they could win one. I think that the the Cowboys look terrible. Um, in their week one game against the Panthers, their offense looks like it is completely lost. 
Um, and the 49ers are still a team that's very beatable for a team like Detroit. Detroit still has so much talent in this team. Yeah. They just got to figure out how to use it. Well, good news is Matt Stafford, he practiced today. LeGarrette Blunt practiced. You know, Zeke Ansa, limited practice, but he's still out there. And, yeah. and he's kind of kind get, kind of getting back to where, you know, those three guys specifically need to be looking forward. So, I mean, assuming they'll be back, that, that only helps their opportunities and their, their chances. It's not time to give up on the Lions. Definitely got to keep watching them and see where they're at. I, I would say that, but. We'll see you there after week five. I mean, we'll talk about them every week, I'm sure, but we'll see if we're right on some of those predictions there. But the next one, I, I you know, I'm just going to keep giving myself credit for it because I am happy that I got it right. I was the one that said it was going to be close in the first place. <laughs> I think you just piggybacked off me. I said, I did not I said, piggyback off I said, you. watch out. This game is going to be really close. I'm going to take Michigan State by a few, but it's going to be you real close why I on it? the road. Because I picked Michigan State and you wanted to be different. No, no. But you also <laughs> the heard reason, my comments. The reason, like, okay. that, the reason that I picked it is because no Big Ten team in nine tries has went to Arizona State and won a road game. It's a, I know. It was a, over 100 degrees at kickoff. It's a night game at 1045. That's exactly what I said, though. Then, that's exactly well, that's what, what I said. that's what anybody would say. <laughs> well, obviously. Those are reasons. So I thought there, you know what? Go by the book. That's Elena, what the book says. Elena, you know, he heard me say it first oh, last week. Gosh. And then he just said, oh, I'll, I'll just. You know, Evan thinks it'll be close, but Michigan State will win. But I'll just pick Arizona State. You no, know, just to be, not, be the odd one not, out. Evan, you're always the one that you're because your brain thinks like that, though. Yeah, you so always want to go opposite. Like <laughs> I said what I believed. I really thought Arizona State would win this game. This is the kind of game where you can see a team playing that late at night and those kind of conditions. Their offense didn't perform, and that's exactly what I thought would happen. They they didn't perform in week. I mean, they did perform, but they took them a while to start doing it against a Utah State team in week one that isn't a good team. And then they they struggled, obviously, against Arizona State, only could get one touchdown. That's never going to be enough. And Arizona State tried to give them this game. They gave them the ball back plenty of times in positions to win. They just couldn't do it. And I'm looking through the first two weeks now, and, man, all these Michigan fans after week one are thinking, man, our team is, you know, ah, great, we lost to another big team. They come out and blow at Western Michigan. If you're a Michigan State fan right now, what are you thinking about your team after you just lost this game and had a close one in week one at home? It's it's difficult going on the road to Indiana on Saturday. That's not an easy That's game not ever easy. when you play at Indiana. No. I mean, it's, it's okay, I don't care who it is. Unless you're playing Rutgers or Purdue or maybe Illinois. You, you, you know, if you're not playing one of those three teams, it's always going to be a game where you, you got to kind of lock in and lock down. And that's how I see it against Indiana. And then, you know, not, not like Central Michigan is anything special either, but the following week, you know, they play CMU, and that's just one of those in-state rivalries where it's not like a rivalry rivalry, but still it's in-state, and it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you could totally see it being a close game, right, between Michigan and Michigan State. Oh, I yeah. mean, excuse me, oh, CMU, CMU and Michigan State. Yeah, I, You could see it being close to the third quarter, right? At this at this point, yeah, probably. Just because you never know. Yeah, I mean, after what I've seen from CMU, I'm not so sure I can say anything <laughs> But what you've seen team, from Michigan State. With what I've seen from Michigan State, they've let every team play up to them so far. Yeah. By that week. Yeah, maybe maybe CMU will have some things figured out and make that game close. And that'll be interesting as well. And then you you know, you, you go right into Northwestern, Penn State, Michigan. Like those are teams that can play too. It's not like people can't play on their schedule. They they have a schedule that's that didn't look kind of didn't look too crazy before the season, but now that you sit back and think about it, everybody can play. You know, there's no mega cakewalks on on this like team's roster. So it's definitely scary. And, you know, if I'm Michigan State, if I'm a Michigan State fan, I'm I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. Elena? Yeah, I just, I mean, I don't remember what I said last week. I can't remember if I said it would be close or not, but watching them come out and not really, I mean, in the first first half they had some ball control, but then they just lost it in the second half, and 
I mean, they just nothing went right for them in the second half. Really, well, like, they again, couldn't do anything. It's the defense that that choked the the game away at the end of the day. I mean, they gave mm-hmm. up 13 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, they were they they didn't even score in the fourth quarter. So the offense didn't do anything, and the defense allowed all those points. They allow a touchdown drive about midway through the the fourth quarter. They just simply weren't allowing all game. And then at the end of the game, all Arizona State had to pretty much do was knee it out till they could call the timeout and kick the field goal. Some of that's on your defense too. I know that you're not getting enough points on offense, but when you hold them that close all game, you know. At, at some point in defense, you got to just tough it out and say, we got to make one more stop, and they just couldn't do it. And right now, they don't look like a complete team. They don't look like a team that's prepared to play games um, against opponents that they should be beating, and I think a lot of that's on Mark D'Antonio right now. I know that everybody loves him around East Lansing and everything, and obviously for what he's done, but right now, you got to be looking at your coach and saying, what's going on? Why aren't my guys prepared? I mean, for Brian Lewerke to throw for 314 yards to only get one touchdown, that's not, I mean, that's not good enough. He's got to get, he's got to finish the end of the day. Uh, get the ball in the end zone. And where is their running game at right now? 20, 22 yards from Hayward. Not not even your top guy, LJ Scott. So, I mean, where where does this team go for answers? What what do they, what do they have to do to figure things out on offense? You, you can't, though. Like, there's not much you can do. I mean, like, all your pieces are there. Yeah. It's not like you can really. You have what you have. You, have you everybody can't back do anything different. There's nothing you can change. Like, it's just one of those things where. You're stuck in this rut, and it's just a matter of time until you get out of it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, but there's like nothing you can do. You can't, you, you can't like blame anybody or say, oh, you know, they don't have the pieces at running back, or they don't have the receivers, or the receivers are young, or the running backs are young, or Lewerke's, you know, new to college football. Like you can't. That those are none of the. You can't. You can't say any of it because it's not true. They have the pieces. They have the experience. They have everything that they need. It's just it's just not there and it's just not clicking and that's all that it is. For sure. And I think we're gonna we're gonna see real quick, like you said. I mean, the competition doesn't get any easier really. I mean, from that game, Arizona State's not really a team that I mean, they're not ranked. So plain and simple, it's just, you know, they're not gonna play teams that are that much lower than that. I mean, really the one team that I would say that they have the biggest advantage against the rest of their schedule is Central. But other than that, it's I mean, it's Big Ten teams, all of it's gonna be a competition. If they don't get something figured out quick, when you got to go to a and play at a place like Indiana right away, I don't know. Things might not be looking uh, all that as positive as I thought they would be for Michigan State. I definitely thought they were going to be a team that would, you know, win the Big Ten Conference, and I'm starting to really question that now. I mean, I did they did lose this game, and I thought maybe they could prove me wrong and show it up. But right now I'm starting to really question if they're actually a team that can compete for the Big Ten East. But we've seen teams like this with Mark D'Antonio. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Start this slow, and they may be able to pull it out. But uh, here you are with Michigan again. They blow out an opponent that they probably should have blown out, but that's the thing. Last year, that wasn't really the case. I don't think that mm-hmm. I don't think that Michigan was blowing out opponents that they were supposed to blow out when they came to these kind of games. I mean, Western's definitely a team that I myself also kind of in a way expected this game to be closer. I did say that Michigan would pull away a win in this game. It was never a game. I mean, Michigan just had it from start to finish. Shea Patterson shows why he came to Michigan. I mean, completely with the mobility the way he was able to play that pass that he made to Donovan Peoples-Jones I mean there's arguments that it hasn't been a pass like that since Chad Henney so I mean really it's right now it looks like you got your guy at quarterback the running game dominated again I know it's against Western Michigan but the fact that they were able to come out and win 49 to 3 I think that's a big statement after they lost Notre Dame even looking back to last season week two and three against Cincinnati and Air Force you know Michigan beat Cincinnati 36-14 then beat Air Force 29-13 like those are those are opponents of a much lower talent level, but it's a lot different than the outcome that yep. you know we saw on Saturday against Western Michigan, where 
It was 49-3. It was a Last blowout. Last year you were waiting for the inevitable. They were, they were playing close to those kind of teams, and you were just waiting for them to lose. We're yeah. going to play another big team, but we're going to lose again. I don't I don't feel that way after a game like this, and I still didn't feel that way if they lost to Notre Dame. So I, what are your thoughts right now? I think this was really good for them. I'm glad that they didn't come out there and play to the level of their opponent, and I think this is a huge confidence booster, and I think it's really what they needed, honestly. Definitely what Patterson needed after the after his – first game with Michigan yeah especially with all the criticism he took for reasons that I still can't explain but no yeah I mean you come on we, we know I mean covering the Matt conference for a couple of years now how much pride these teams take in playing against teams from the Big Ten or higher conferences oh, Western yeah. wanted to come out there and win this game I mean they wanted to play their absolute best football and a guy like Drake Harris that played at Michigan for how many years and he transfers he wants to come out and do good I mean none of it mattered Michigan just Came out and did what they Steam were supposed to do them. against a team like that, and I it just it just says a lot to me. And every facet of the game, though, I mean, there wasn't like bad mistakes. I mean, there was the one Donovan Peoples Jones punt again where he kind of fielded it wrong and everything like that. But other than that, I mean, they blocked a kick. They're they're they're. I mean, no missed extra points. Just nothing nothing dumb. Nothing really you can take away from this game that was negative in yeah. my opinion. I I really that you you saw from the receivers, Nico Collins getting a touchdown. The one I mentioned from Peoples Jones, they use the tight ends. I mean, everything, the playbook looks better. Now, I know they got to do that against, you know, teams of higher caliber, but I think if Michigan can spread the ball out like this and, and play this way the rest of the season, they're going to find that this recipe works against teams like that. If you take shots, you said it last week, Evan, this guy, when he was an old Miss, he aired it out. I mean, he, he threw the ball, and that's what Michigan wasn't letting him do. I mean, yeah, he only threw 17 passes in this game, but he did throw it pretty deep a couple of times, and it seems to be working out for him. I, I really like seeing True Wilson in there as the third running back. I, I like what he brings. I love to see Chris Evans on his game and Karan Higdon on his game, you know, both at the same time, unlike what we saw against Notre Dame, where it's kind of just just all Karan Higdon basically against Notre Dame and that loss. So it was really nice to see, you know, a group of three running backs get get touches and like get some action. And I think that was really important to see because that just like diversifies the entire team when you have that many different guys that can run the ball with success. And then also with the receiver is that was huge. I mean, seeing that large of, of an amount of receivers make receptions, whether it was from, you know, Patterson's 12 completions or if it was from, from Dylan McCaffrey's one touchdown pass to Jake McCurry. Yep. That's how, like, that's how I was going to say. How, yeah. about, how about Dylan McCaffrey coming in and playing the way yeah. he did again? I mean, there's no, there's no doubt. He didn't I mean, have to do much, he, but he got the job done. He did what he had to do. Yeah. He didn't have to do much. And he's still, I mean, I mean, to find a guy like Jacob McCurry who you've never heard of and, you know, I mean, doesn't yeah. look like the, the typical guy you'd throw a touchdown pass to. I mean, seriously, Dylan McCaffrey looks comfortable when he comes in the game. Oh, and yeah. if, if oh, Shea yeah, Patterson were to slip up this year, I mean, I'm telling you, he, he would be a guy that would come for a starting job if he were if Shea Patterson were to start playing bad, which is unexpected by me, but could happen. Um, Think about when this team gets Tariq Black back. Oh my gosh! I mean, if you can throw to if you can throw to these receivers like that. I mean, personally, you know, I I, th- I talked about this. You know, I was watching the game on uh, Saturday. Nico Collins, I think, is probably, in my opinion, the better guy than Donovan Peoples-Jones. I like his size. And Just because like, his height. Yeah, yeah, and I like the way that he plays, and he, he showed it kind of so far. When Donovan Peoples-Jones catching some of these balls still, man, I swear to God, the guy just has butterfingers. Like, he can't, he's still growing, he can't I hang think. on to the ball I think he's right. growing. Even that one he caught in the end zone, I mean, I know it was a tough catch, but he does that. Like, every time he catches, he corrals it, like, so weird in his arms. And it, I just feel like if he doesn't start, like, playing better at some point, he, he might get pushed out when a guy like Tariq Black comes back because – Nico Collins is definitely making a case to be this team's number one wide receiver right now. We want to know what I think it is. I think, you know, with with Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins, and, you know, you talk about comparing them and, and all that kind of stuff and who's yeah. who's better. You know, Nico Collins, he comes from Clay Chalkville High School in Alabama. 
not to say that Donovan Peoples Jones doesn't come from anything because he came from Cass Tech, which is obviously a really big school. But yeah, I mean, he was a higher recruit, man. <laughs> he, yeah, he was. He was a higher recruit than Nico Collins. But I think the level of competition down there in Alabama in the league that Nico Collins played in is just different. Getting bullied than, probably a lot. I mean, now the Detroit Public School League, don't get me wrong, it's it's a very good league. I mean, yeah. you have Detroit Martin Luther King in there, and they always breed multiple prospects. I mean, that's that's where a guy like Ambry Thomas came from. Yeah. But I just think like the level of play that Nico Collins was involved in facing top opponents every single week, whereas you know, with Donovan Peoples-Jones, you have him going up against a team like, I don't know, Detroit Pershing, who hasn't been good in years. Right. Like, and, I mean, what? It's it's two receptions for, you know, what, 60 yards each, and then he can sit the bench and he's done. Like, yeah. I think just, like, Nico was challenged a lot more throughout high school, where Donovan Peoples-Jones, he had the skill, he had the talent, but he was probably challenged, like, three or four times a year, whereas Nico Collins was challenged every single game. I think that's really like the reason. Why, I think that's really the reason why Nico has really done a good job of developing early in college. Is just because that's the same like, you know, D one guy on D one guy going at it. That's something that, you know, that's something that DPJ didn't really have that much, and that's okay. I just think it's just you know a learning process for him, and he's he's kind of growing through that. And these are some of the growing pains that he's seeing as he's being called on more. That's a, that's a really good point. A lot like, of things that probably yeah. people would not think about with you know just the simple competition in high school. You really never know what you're going to get out of some of these guys, and they come out of high school until they really get in the field yeah. playing college. And Nico Collins has shown up so far and played pretty well. So I want to see. I guess the guy that I would want to see a little bit more of is probably Oliver Martin. Yeah, for sure. I right? want to see some more of Oliver Martin, and I want to see more Ambry Thomas on offense. He yeah. had one catch for five yards. Like I want to see more of that. Yeah, I and think he's obviously fast. I, think I mean, he showed what he could do he did in high school. Yeah, he was. He was phenomenal. And in Grant, high Grant Perry players. dropped another ball. I, I kind of wonder if they're starting to lean away from that guy a little bit. They've got to be. He hasn't, he hasn't seen be. as much action this year, and it seems like he's kind of quieted down. I mean, last year he seemed to be one of the only guys that was getting passes towards the end of the season, and you really just don't hear a lot about him as much. I think so. I think he's a good like third. I think he's a good like third and like seven. Oh yeah, third I mean, he's five never really guy. been better. Well, than that. I mean, he's an well, eighth year senior, so <laughs> <laughs> feels like he's been there for forever. But. No, but I mean, just like with his leadership and his, I guess like knowledge of the game and stuff like that. You don't want a young. I mean. Obviously, you got to have your young guys in there, but it's nice to have a veteran that can come in in a third and five situation and make a big catch. Like I think that's that's going to be really important, and where they're probably going to use him a little bit more is just in those, you know, moments where they say, "Hey, we need a veteran to come in here, make a big catch." You know, you know exactly what you're doing. You're not going to mess it up. So go do it. That's kind of that's kind of where they're at with him, I think. Sure. Real quick, they got SMU coming up, and then they got Nebraska, Northwestern, and Maryland before they start to hit the big dogs all in a row. Of Wisconsin, MSU, and Penn State, they might they they might go undefeated until do, then. Do you guys see a slip up? Is what I was going to ask. No. Is there any is there any point where you think after watching this game you'll see Michigan lose? Not a no. chance. No. This, I think this game against SMU is not even going to be close. Yeah. Oh no, no doubt they're definitely going to blow out SMU. Then, I don't really have a I don't really have a question about. that. I guess the only one that that kind of scares me a little bit is that Northwestern yeah, game. That's what I was going to say. Just because on the road, a Northwestern's they did lose always been. They did lose to Duke, and yeah, it was a home game, so that's kind of that's kind of a downgrade for them for sure. But I think that I think Northwestern's always a team that plays Michigan pretty tough, and Pat oh, yeah. Fitzgerald is a good coach. So that's definitely one I would look out for if Michigan were to be looking ahead. Other than that, though, they should have all those wins without a problem. So after you've seen what you've seen, Andy, and I, and I know that you know you pay attention to this stuff really closely, and I know that you know late at night when you're laying in bed, you might have these kind of thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that you've seen going. now now that you've seen what now this that you're offense into my can. Personal <laughs> dreams. <laughs> now, not dreams, just thoughts. Okay. Now that you know what this team can really roll out 
on offense and you know what it means to really roll the dice. What what's considered an un, unsuccessful season record wise? I mean, you already have one loss. So if you finish, so I mean, if they finish, what you know, what what would be considered positive? I think when you look at Michigan and what they do have this year, you have to expect at least a lot out of them to have the potential to be good because they simply have a defense that's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be as good next year when they lose some of these guys that go to the NFL or graduate or whatever it is. They're not going to keep having this defense. I know Don Brown is really, really good, and they get a lot of talent that comes in. The excuses have to stop for Michigan's offense. They show what they could do against Western Michigan. They're not going to win all these games. I can tell you that right now. And you got Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State all in a row. If they win all those games and shut me up, then fine. But they're not going to, I don't think. What do you think? Three I losses? Think, I think three losses is, is, is not I – don't, I don't think it's acceptable. I think anything less than two. I think at this point they can lose anything one. less than two if, or if, two or if less. If you're a Michigan fan, because you have to look at where guys like Urban Meyer have been by their. You got to give year. them one more slip up, right? Like one loss. Like they're not. They're, there's Dude, no way they're going to beat Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State. You really think so? I think but they, they should. Yeah. yeah. At, but look at Ohio right. State can do it. Okay, they can come in and they can replace a quarterback every single season, and they can be that good. And Michigan State. Even in years when they go three and nine, they bounce back the next season. And they make it to the Big Ten championship. So if you want to be considered in that Big Three, you have to be able to be that elite. And you're definitely not going to get into a playoff with more than two losses. They have the talent on their schedule, like the the teams that are ranked. I mean, hopefully Michigan State doesn't keep falling for them. But they have the teams to be able to beat to be able to get that kind of a resume, even with two losses, to potentially still make it into the playoff. I doubt it. But either way, with these four games, I think you got to go. T- I think you got to go ten and two for it to really be a successful season for Jim Harbaugh. I don't think nine and three is like to the point where this guy should be fired. He should be out or anything like that. So you're saying ten and two beat, is a positive? Yeah, to me it's positive. Nine and three is very neutral if that's a good way to put it. Because what about eleven and one, if they go eleven and one, if I hear one person complain in the state of Michigan about what Harbaugh did, then that's that's ridiculous. I mean, okay. whether they make the playoff, they get blown out, whatever it is. If they can beat those four teams of Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State. That's worlds better than what I they just were don't. At. I don't see it happening. No, they're not going to go eleven and one. I don't think so at all. Ten and two. I mm-hmm. think is. I think it's possible. They have two home games against Wisconsin and Penn State. Two teams they have beat in the past. I mean, sure they haven't beat Wisconsin under Harbaugh yet. They were a quarterback away from being that team last year without a question to me. So when they when they play those two teams at home, those could both be wins. Um, very easily I see. Um, but Michigan State and Ohio State both in the road. Those are going to be games that's going to trip them up. If you want my honest truth, I think that they're going to. I think that this is the year that they do finally beat Ohio State, but I think they're just going to slip up in one of those three games because it's a lot to ask when you play Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State back-to-back-to-back. No doubt. That's where I think you're at. About that, like, do you think 9-3 is That stretch, 9-3 and three is Do you think 9-3 no, is good? No, no, no. I mean, I, I think, to be honest, I don't think you can lose another game. I don't want to hear people saying the guy should be fired. I just I'm think, not saying he should be fired. No. I'm, all I'm trying to say is that I think you can't lose another game for this to be considered a positive season. You can't. It's 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 at the point where no, it's four years in. Yeah, you can't lose another game. You gotta you gotta beat Wisconsin. You gotta beat Michigan State. You gotta beat Penn State. You have to beat Ohio State. You must beat Ohio State. That is a must this year. And then you gotta win the games in between. Yeah, so, no. it, it's 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 you know what? It's all in the it, no. It well, here's the thing. It's it's in their hands. They have the pieces. We just talked about with Michigan State having the pieces and yep. falling short. The pieces are there. Michigan has the talent, but by the time after this stretch, when they get to that stretch, this team should be playing together, have everything fundamentally sound. There shouldn't be any, any more excuses they be for one the of players the best teams not in the nation. being in rhythm. Yeah, they absolutely. Should, they should be they, no doubt top five in the nation by the time that they roll 
Uh, by the time that they bring in Wisconsin to play, they should be top five in the nation. They won't be ranked that high, but I'm just saying on paper, yeah, matchups no, and I stuff. I you're saying. And then once they win a couple games, okay, yeah, then they'll move up once they play some bigger opponents. But, I mean, they, they should be looking like a top five team by the time they play Wisconsin. They have the defense. They, they have They have the defense. They have the talent. They have everything there. I think if there's one thing that's going to be their downfall, it's going to be their coaching. But we'll see. When it gets to that point, if they that if they, play calling, the play calling is what <laughs> I think it's going to be all about. It's what it's been about since they've had you know all the different offensive coordinators they pretty much had. So we'll wrap the show up now with our studs and duds. We'll see what Michigan does. But Evan, I will start with your uh, your stud. Yeah. So my stud this week, you know, it's got to be to a tag of Aloha. I mean, a- absolutely outstanding game. Like it, it really doesn't get much better than what he did. He didn't have to do too much either. I mean, it was a game where. You know, they whooped on Arkansas State. You know, they, they beat him by 50. He threw four touchdowns, 228 yards, no interceptions, took care of the ball, even got his buddy Jalen Hurts in there a little bit and, you know, allowed Jalen to score two touchdowns. Um, you know, really just, you know, two attack of Aloha's play was was excellent. Also, a little side note, Najee Harris goes for 135 yeah. and a touchdown. Remember when Michigan almost got him but didn't? Yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> what that, what that would have been. Anyway, yeah, definitely got to be tag of Aloha as – uh, my stud this week. Alina? Mine's Jameer uh, Kent- Candelario. How do you say that? Jameer Candelario. Yeah, Jameer. yeah, his walk-off the other day against the Cardinals closer. It was thrown over 100 miles per hour. So I came home, and my dad is one of those guys <laughs> that just doesn't uh, doesn't get over um, the, the Tigers, like no matter what, no matter where they're at in the season. And I admire him for it. But he, I came home, and he's like, did you see what Jameer Candelario did? I was like, uh, no, I was working. I was working a high school game, but. No, yeah, I mean that's that's phenomenal. They they've been playing good in the month of yeah. September. I mean, we talked about that <laughs> earlier, and we'll probably get back into it when the season ends. But they played really good in the month of September, so I mean, we'll see if they can keep it up right now. But uh, my stud is another guy who uh, played against the Tigers here recently, uh, Justin Verlander. Because anybody that follows me knows that my I uh, I teared up a little bit the other night when they brought that uh, brought that video on there. I mean, that that was just too much for me to handle. You, I, you called me crying, man. You called me on the phone. Oh, shut sobbing. up! I did not do that. I'm that kidding. Is... <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I actually did show you the video, but yeah, I know. No, I'm, I, I'm messing. At, at the end of the day, yes, it did make me very upset. It's it's hard for me to watch when I mean you see all these guys from Detroit just yeah. had the success. I'm more happy for him than anybody else. He definitely made the right decision, but it was really cool to see him like react the way he did to watching the video and everything. And like that moment in there where uh, they had the he had the no hitter going against um, the Angels, and he gave up that last hit through eight and two thirds. Right in the foul line, barely a fair ball. I was at that game with my friend. We actually got free tickets. That was a season where the Tigers were not doing very good. We went because they were free, and we almost saw a no-hitter right in front of us. So it was heartbreaking for us, too, and you kind of saw him smirk when that play came up there. It was just stuff like that that it was very admirable to see. So, um, and, he, and he was able to take down the Tigers, get his revenge win after the Tigers, n- you know, no-name players like Jim Adusi and Alex Hicks and whatever, or John Hicks and whatever else, they were able to, you know, hit ho- four home runs off of him. And that first, Jamie Candelario was actually one of those people. He got his revenge this time by getting 10Ks and getting the win through seven innings. So definitely my stud performance for Justin Verlander. Evan, you're done. Yeah, I mean, in my in my situation, actually, you know what? In all my years of watching college football, which really hasn't been too long, I'm only 19, I'm still a young buck, but I have never in my life seen anything as atrocious as Central Michigan's loss to Kansas <laughs> Someone on had to say it. Someone had to say that it. That was the worst thing that I have ever seen. 
like ever. Yeah, <laughs> it was terrible, dude. I mean, we were both up there watching it, and you're just waiting. Here's my thing: is that, is that well, is that for, more is that more of like a slap in the face than App State beating Michigan? Way back when, you know, I mean, okay, when I was like ten or something yes, like yes, that. Yes, yes, sure. From a, well, okay, I think it's pretty even, but because when you're Michigan, you're ranked fifth in the country. You're you're simply it's not supposed but to it's lose bad. Game like that. It's a really bad upset. Forty nine straight games yeah, away from you're home. talking about a team that I mean, I don't care if they're Power Five and Central Michigan's not. If you want to throw the Power Five rankings out the window and want to say it means nothing and everything else, like Central Michigan constantly preaches, then do it because they did it on Saturday. And that no, Evan, that was an absolute slap in the face. And I would say that so was worse bad. than anything i've seen in a long time i mean maybe ever maybe because seriously sure well a lot of people will say oh it's just cmu whatever they're not even one of the bigger teams in the state of michigan it doesn't matter whatever team that i i i did a story on some fans that i talked to outside of the game and i talked i I ran into a couple players dads um on kansas's team and Mm -hmm. i talked to them and one of them quote unquote said to me that it doesn't matter who's out there in the field. If we were playing a high school team and we were to beat them, it would mean a lot. <laughs> so I can tell you how much it meant to those those fans of that university, whatever, that they beat them, and Central Michigan should be completely embarrassed for losing that game. Kansas might win another game this year, too, I think. Like with Puka Williams, that running yeah, he back, showed like up. he looked good. Central he did not look ready for good. him. And I'm not going to blame anything on the defense. Their offense played completely atrocious. Couldn't their get anything going. Awful. And their offense is a lot of questions right now. They like just where's don't Jonathan have answers. Ward? Ten carries, twenty nine yards. That's your guy coming in the year, and he's not doing anything I to know. help his quarterback out. And not that their offensive line has played good really either, but Tony's reads have not been good. He's not finding the right people. But that's something you guys will get more into in your Maroon and Bold podcast, I'm sure. But yeah, it's not uh, definitely not where they need to be right now. I just have something to say about that too, because I was talking to. Uh, a football player, CMU football player. I'm not going to name any names, but okay. before the game, or before, a couple of days before the game, he's like, yeah, yeah, we're playing Kansas. It's going to be an easy win. And, but uh, no. See, I was, talking to a football, <laughs> I was talking to a player who said that, you know, he actually had no clue about the streak. He doesn't pay attention to that kind of stuff. So I guess some of them keep it out. Some of them like to check into that kind of stuff. We're learning a new thing. Central can't beat anything. Elena's dating a CMU football player. No, it, all, it, all, it, all, it all really comes together, I guess, <laughs> no, here in no. the podcast. But. I thought you were dating a basketball player last I checked <laughs> in your math class last year or something. You're an idiot. All right. Hey, Elena, you're <laughs> okay. dud. Um, my dud is Matt Stafford, so that's fair enough. You really don't need to say anything <laughs> don't need else. To say anything I mean, else. just, just four interceptions. Yeah, that was rough. That, that sucks, but. Um, no, my dud is, I mean, it's the Chicago Bears defense, okay? And I know that Khalil Mack messed up Aaron Rodgers in the first half and they show that they can be a better defense this year or whatever. I don't care if I come in there and go God mode on you or if it's Aaron Rodgers or whoever it is. The guy had one leg. You shouldn't let them come back like that in basically a quarter and a couple minutes. I mean, even when they were able to stop him to get a field goal, whatever. We watch Aaron. We witnessed greatness from Aaron Rodgers on Sunday night. Don't get me wrong. That was one of the best performances I've seen in a while, but... Overall, if you're the Chicago Bears defense, you should be hanging your head pretty low after losing a game like that that you had in the bag. So that's it for us this week on Sportsmanlike Conduct. Um, again, we'll plug in our Twitter handles just so you guys can give us follows if you haven't yet. My name is Andy at, or underscore McDonald23. Evan, what is my, yours? My Twitter is at Evan Petzold. Easy. My handle is at Hess136. For sure, you guys can give us a follow. Make sure you listen, and it'll be posted on CM Life and everything else, SoundCloud iTunes, all that good stuff. So thank you for listening this week, and we'll talk to you next time.